you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Around the NFL Podcast has no fear of Miko Grimes. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by New Era. My name is Dan Hansis and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler and Colleen Wolf. What's Yay! up, people? What's happening? You know, it only it only struck me. Why are you laughing? Because only at this moment that I noticed in our, our wonderful partnership with the people at New Era that the the the, the, the hats. Uh, it's actually now almost a situation where we have so many beautiful hats. Yeah. Uh, that I couldn't keep my eyes off them as I was looking <laughs> for you guys to introduce you. And visors yeah. too. Uh, and, you know, we like to take notes. I have notes essentially just all stuck on my laptop. Now, I used to spread them about, about yeah, but no these longer. colorful, beautiful hats have taken over. And you could see this for yourself. This is our Wednesday video show, uh, which airs or goes live at uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Uh, in Tokyo, for instance, what time, Colleen? Uh, could be any time. Yeah, really. figure it out. 2.30. Yeah. What do you want? Like, we're <laughs> right? the time ombudsman or something. Eh, you know, do a web search. Figure it out. Yeah. Or the universal time. Why don't we use that? Right? I'm not getting involved. I'm okay. not getting involved. Right, but uh, the full <laughs> show is up. Well, you can find it out at NFL.com slash ATN video. And you could also find all of the um, the last four or five shows we've done on uh, first on Tuesday and now Wednesday are all there, I believe, archived. Uh, is that correct, Erica Tamposi? We got a thumbs right. up. You're right. Yeah, that's good. That's all right. Coming up today, guys, our training camp spotlight series rolls on. Very exciting. We're going to talk about uh, uh, two games coming up on NFL Network Airwaves, including Jay Cutler's debut. Uh, the Chargers they are trying to uh, establish a foothold in Los Angeles, and they had a unique promotion that involved free tattoos. Uh, Connie Fox had boots on the ground, as did uh, her husband. So we're going to check in with the loving couple about what the scene was in West Hollywood uh, for that little promotion. And also, of course, episode two of our favorite NFL uh, program, 
Hard Knocks. It was uh, so good. Another great episode, of course, centering on uh, poor Robbie Aguayu, as you would expect. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. Uh, before we do any of that, formally say hello to um, Erica behind the glass. How are you? Hey, guys. Comfort level, raising, let's say. Yeah, yeah, feeling pretty one good. One to ten, where are you at comfort, comfort level? Nine. Cool. Not she looks very comfortable. Yeah, like, very I feel comfortable. like she's already at ten. Thank you. Thank you. I went home on the listen to the last episode from a technical angle, mm-hmm. uh, pumped it out on loud sound and within my noise <laughs> late at night, and it was she did a, gr- a great job with it. Very technically uh, sound. Very nice, Erica. What is your uh, Twitter handle, by the way, if the fans uh, want to reach at out? At Tamposi NFL. Yes, and that's well, you'll pretty you'll, cool. You'll learn the terrible news that Erica is another Patriots fan. I am, but I oh, people man. tweeting at me saying like, "Yes, we got to take Dan down," and I was <laughs> like, "Hey, I got to, <laughs> I have to stay Switzerland throughout this." Okay, I respect that. You're a professional taking Dan down when his team is predicted by many experts to go in zero and sixteen. How low can you it go? Feels aggressive. Feels aggressive. All right, let's do some news. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. is that too much? How about that one? <laughs> Is this too much? <laughs> <laughs> Gerald McCoy garnering serious uh, Hard Knocks MVP uh, consideration off his performance in Episode 2. We'll get to all that, but let's start first with what is becoming the big um, uh, legal news story of the NFL season. Of course, we, we, we finally got out of Deflategate and Tom Brady. Now we got something else cooking here. It's Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the Dallas Cowboys running back, who was suspended six games last week um, for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Well, Elliott did the expected. He officially filed his notice uh, of appeal of that suspension. The NFLPA announced on Tuesday uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell has appointed Harold Henderson to hear Elliott's suspension appeal. Uh, the league announced Wednesday. And, uh, Mark, is that a familiar name to you, yes or no? Yes, it is. It is, because Henderson has been the NFL's appeals officer for years, almost a decade, in fact, and he heard Greg Hardy's domestic violence case way back in 2015. Uh, so the hearing has been scheduled for August 29th. Rap Sheet and Tom Pelissero report of NFL Network. Um, we don't know how it's going to play out, but this is, being a situa- is becoming a situation now where – the Cowboys, or at least Elliott, are fighting this thing. Well, it, it feels like the next sort of checkpoint in a process that could take a very long time, bringing into question you know, what, what it means for this season for Ezekiel Elliott, because already, and this is through official statements on Twitter, the NFL and the NFLPA have come at each other very hard, and it, it kind of reminds you of the tenor, and a couple things that have bubbled up since, but the tenor of the lockout back in the day, how openly contentious the two sides were with each other. They are both... You know, there is no meek behavior here. Both have made it very clear they don't agree that the other side has operated, you know, in ter- comprehensively in terms of this investigation. Yeah, the line has been drawn and it's already gotten ugly. And he filed the appeal yesterday. So I can only see this kind of getting even more messy as this progresses. But as you mentioned, Harold Henderson, he did oversee the Hardy case and that was reduced from 10 to 4 games. He also oversaw the Adrian Peterson appeal which that was upheld. So it's tough to say how it's going to play out, but the NFL does hire him a lot for these appeals cases, so you would think that it would be a mild reduction, if any reduction. Yeah, and the ground has shifted repeatedly ever since Ray Rice and everything that has come since that. Um, Back in the Greg Hardy days, the first-time offender um, uh, in in an incident, a domestic violence incident, was two games. It got... He got hit with 10 games and then was dropped to four. Now under the new rule, six games is like the mandate 
uh, floor level, which is what Elliott got. So you you wonder if, if, if there will be any change this time around. We don't know. We, we're not lawyers or plugged in on that level. But I would be very surprised if this was struck down um, anything beyond f- a below four games. I feel like the Cowboys and Elliott would be very lucky. Yeah, I mean, from that angle, it's sort of another precedent-setting case because we're going to find out how in this world of six game bans attached to this type of incident if it can if it can shift at all we'll find out as you said we're not lawyers i would say of the of the three of you i'm the least lawyerly i know nothing about the trade at all <laughs> did you work in a law no that was west yeah, it was definitely Aww. not me you did not i've work worked law. for lawyers but in is, other capacities yeah. they're it not is fun to interesting work that you mentioned that because the natural progression of this would would be ezekiel elliott then filing a lawsuit um so it, it kind of yeah, we saw with that Brady. Direction. Yeah, with, with the Brady thing, that that can take an extremely long time. We might be talking about this all season. Doesn't I was just about to say? Doesn't this feel like just the beginning of what's going to? We be need a, a lawyer saga? to come on the show. We need like a, a friendly lawyer to break everything down for in us. more ways than one. Yeah, <laughs> we need a lot of lawyers. A, a cool, <laughs> like a cool lawyer. Yeah, yeah, like a cool dad lawyer. Yeah, or mom lawyer. Okay. Dan? Yeah, we can get a mom lawyer. Don't don't get on my case there. <laughs> good, good point by Colleen. Yeah. Everybody's calm down. I mean, they also don't have to be parents. Cool dad lawyer. Okay, cool mom lawyer even. <laughs> Somebody that's aware of the laws, but also can cut loose. Yeah. Sometimes. Might need, you know, have a little to fun. get more detail to hash out the scenario, maybe happy hour scenarios after the podcast to really break down what's happening. Charging to help to us. the firm. Of sure, course. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's a write-off. To the anyway. firm. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, don't know where that went. Uh, the Saints um, got some bad news on Delvin Bro. Uh, the cornerback uh, will undergo surgery for a fractured fibula and is expected to miss the next six weeks, uh, Sean Payton uh, announced Wednesday. Rap Sheet uh, reported that the fracture was discovered when an independent doctor read Bro's X-ray. I'm saying that right, right? It's, it's not bro, yeah. Bro's. It's Bro. No, it's not French. Bro. It's Bro. So it was like... <laughs> Bro, your x-ray. I spell it bro whenever I write my notes. B-R-E-A-U-X. I like that. Anyway, independent doctor found the break. Um, and that is kind of the other element of the story is that the Saints had some in-house orthopedists who gave the wrong diagnosis, um, calling it a contusion. He was not getting better. That's when the independent uh, guy came in. And guess what? Orthopedist sent packing the old boot. They got a guayode in a big spot. Two of yeah. them. Two, Two of them. them. Yeah, a pair of them. A Which either dude. tells me one was clearly at fault. Well, I shouldn't. I should. I'm just speculating. But that that the other <laughs> said, I'm not going to let you go down alone. I, I I'm loyal to you. We're going to go down as a duo. Or they were equally, you know, at fault. We don't know the, you know. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I'm just saying it would be a great story if yeah. one of them said, I actually had nothing to do with this, but yeah. I believe so much in you. That I'm going to go right down with you. That kind of loyalty is rare. <laughs> well, the Is, are you like was. workshopping like a, a screenplay right yeah, now? Yeah, it feels yes. like, you know, there's got to be another part to this. <laughs> and the fact that it was a break, it was initially diagnosed as a bruise, and they were annoyed that he wasn't progressing as quickly as, as he should have been. And yeah. meanwhile, he had a broken leg, and now he needs surgery. He'll be out four to six weeks. But he has a history of lingering injuries. And so I think that that's sort of what they thought this was. Now, I can kind of relate because when I was younger, mm-hmm. I broke my foot and my mom thought I was try- like exaggerating a little bit. And she made me walk around on a broken foot for two days. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, you can't fire your mom, but that feels like a fireable offense on some level. You're lucky the state didn't show you. I had uh, crutches. The doctor was like, actually, your bone is shattered. So shattered, shattered. I shattered a bone and she was like, toughen up a little bit. 
classic. My mom. Mrs. We Wolf. met your mom, and I, I could <laughs> yeah. see your mom saying, you know, a bit of an edge. please, Colleen. <laughs> Not taking to the doctor for this minor, minor injury. It's true. You're lucky they didn't, like, send you to an orphanage after that x-ray. I'm lucky, yeah. yeah. We're all lucky. Uh, local orphan's foot is all banged up. Um, That's moving the headline. On. That's a weird headline. It is. That's the headline. <laughs> moving on, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, um, uh, who – it's funny how things change in the NFL, folks. Uh, a year ago, people were salivating over the potential of a wide receiver – uh, group that had, yes, Larry Fitzgerald, but also John Brown, Michael Floyd, Jerron Brown. Oh, so many options, right? Did I miss anybody? J.J. Nelson? I don't know. There were others, but you hit, you hit the big characters. Yeah. Anyway, that didn't pan out. Uh, Floyd was a mess and eventually got traded. John Brown was banged up. Larry Fitzgerald was still Larry Fitz, but couldn't carry the show alone. And now Bruce Arians is keeping it real. Uh, he's not happy with where his wide receivers are at this summer. And on Monday... He didn't hold back. Uh, he had this to say via the team's official website. I must, have, I must have been seeing things back in the spring when I said we had 12 guys who could play in the NFL, uh, referring to his wide receiver group. We might have two. Uh, let's go over the group. Like I said, Fitz, Jerron's still there. John Brown's still there. J.J. Nelson, Britton Golden, uh, Aaron Dobson, Jeremy Ross, Chad Williams. Somebody's going to have to step up and make some plays, Colleen. Yeah, and I think one of the most interest one of the most interesting things that Bruce Arian said was he was talking about John Brown's injury and he said, "Yeah, it's a concern. He's not available. You're only good when you're available." And it was almost that he intimated John Brown was okay to practice, but he just wasn't capable of doing it. And John Brown came out and said, "Look, I'm I'm not okay to go out there and practice and my body is different than other players' bodies." And I feel like this is sort of just a message from Arians trying to give a kick to the wide receivers to get their job done. They're missing assignments. They're not catching the ball. But Arians from the get-go of training camp has said that he wants really aggressive practices and he's not seeing what he wants to see out there. John Brown is the key here. If he, you know, he, the sickle cell trait situation caused a lot of issues for him. He had other issues last year as well. And if he can play for you this season, I don't think their wide receiver group is in that much trouble, to be honest. He's, he, yeah. he, they have a fine trio in that. In that Jerron Brown was not, you know, he was not in a good connection with Carson Palmer during that first preseason game. I don't put a lot of stock in that. Palmer came out and said that Jerron Brown's someone that could catch 70 or 80 balls this year. And that, to me, points to he may need to be our number two guy because we don't know what we're going to get from John Brown come week one and maybe deep into the season. Yeah, Brown, it's easy to forget now, but when Brown is right, he's like an all-pro type talent yeah. potentially. So I think Arians is maybe motivated because he knows it. And Arians more than anything knows Larry Fitzgerald is as productive as he was last year. He was starting to look like a 30-something wide receiver in terms of his playmaking ability. The offense needs a playmaker to step up. So one Tyron Matthew had a good comment today. He said they're not going up against scrubs. Their, their defensive backfield you know, has brings some challenges to a group of wide receivers, too, that it's like maybe that's part of what we're seeing in practice is struggling with the defense. And they're dealing with a ton of injuries, too. I mean, the, these guys have shin splints and groin Toughen up. And like a lot, of, lot what would your mom of sideline issues. Get out there and <laughs> yeah, play. <so. laughs> your mom would be like, go run the Boston Marathon. <laughs> Jeez, Miss Wolf. I know. What if – all right, by the way, what if we had um, – Cool dad lawyer and cool mom lawyer together, not actually married, okay, but just like find a good match of a a, a team, and then we ha have a, a little booth that we put right next to Mark, about four feet away. We just throw it to them every once in a while. Like that? Yeah, that could work. Works They're like out. in a soundproof 
type of booth inside the pod studio, or they're just in a, their own little area? <laughs> You're going to put them in a case? How about like a cage? That's mm, weird. I like that. Now it's getting strange. Weird. Now it's getting weird. <laughs> uh, moving on, let's talk about, you know, we were just talking about it with Erica and all our little Patriots friends saying, oh, stick it to Dan. <laughs> this is a way to really take him down a notch. You know, these Jets fans have been flying too high the last couple of years. Um, but no, that's not the case. It, it's terrible being a Jets fan right now. Um, and it is funny to me that Bill Belichick, the coach of the Patriots, uh, famously was the coach of the Jets for one day before he resigned and took the, the patch job uh, eventually. Um, despite that, and despite all the success that Bill has had in the years since, in the 17 years since, he still harbors a very, very big grudge against the New York Jets. Uh, I'm sure Spygate has something to do with it. Probably a big, just a bit, mm-hmm. a big deal. With it. But hey, listen, hey, Rex Ryan did no favors yeah, there. Rex did True. some things. Mangini got on his radar, uh, but he is not. It's very clear Rex, uh, that Bill still has a lot of issues with the Jets, and it came up today again on Wednesday when uh, Bill Belichick was discussing his long relationships with Texans assistant head coach Romeo Cornell. Uh, here's what he had to say. Well, Romeo and I started together at the, at the Giants and special teams, so he and I coached special teams together, and then we coached defensively together through 1990. We worked at the Patriots together, then another team, and then back with the Patriots in 2001. Then another team. Another team. Another team. He doesn't even – he won't even bring the Jets up by name. And he and he knows that everyone's picking up on that. What is his problem? I think you should take, as a Jets fan, some, some calculated pride in this because if the Jets – and the Jets have posed no on-field threat to the Patriots outside of a, you know, a Mark Sanchez season here and there. I know you cling to that 2010 playoff. Well, I win. cling to playoff victories of my teams in the past. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I, I'm, Let's I'm calm that, down. That, okay, I do <laughs> the same. I, we're in the, we're, don't you? Yeah, number know. one, don't start Wait, getting on wow. each other. We can't get on each other. Our, yeah. Both our teams are terrible. Yeah. I'm saying if he's really so peeved by the Jets and they're so deeply under his skin that he can't refer to them by name, yeah. I like that dynamic. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, I have Mark. a solution. Yeah. I think that you should not refer to Bill Belichick by name from this point <laughs> forward. Mm, I like that. <laughs> it's something I'm going to think about for yeah. sure. And just so you know, this has been a, a a troll job that's been going on for a while. Uh, I think it was last season or maybe the season before. Uh, uh, he went through, he did a press conference where I don't know how it came up with Belichick because, you know, everybody gets enamored by sometimes Bill goes down these wormholes in his oh, press the Friday, conference. the Friday morning. <laughs> oh, and you you know. learn, if you Does just, he go like this too? If you just pay attention when Bill gets warmed up, you can learn a lot about the game. Calm down. But <laughs> he, um, at one point in a press conference in 2015, named every coordinator he had ever had. And he he left off one coordinator. Who do you think it was? Eric Mangini. Oh, Eric oh. Mangini. Yeah. People forget that Romeo Cornell, in his, when he left the Patriots' way, went to Cleveland in the year 2000. He was their defensive coordinator, one of the worst defenses of all time. They yeah. were so bad that he had to run a scheme called the UFO defense, where the front seven, <laughs> all they did was before the snap, they would run around in circles <laughs> to, cry, to try to create some sort of confusion. It would usually just result in like a 27-yard gain by the opponent. Not not an effective <laughs> defense. He he tried though. Yeah. I, I creativity. I like points. the name of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And last note, uh, Colleen. I want to thank you. And if you're watching the video show, Colleen literally wearing Jets. It's very That's nice. Right. Green and white today. This was not planned at all. And you know what? It's Would not, you like to wear the Jets hat too? It's not. It's a little. No, you're right. It's pretty close. Let it's me close. take a picture for the people. Okay. Uh, 
I will send this out. I, sh- I should have worn this because I didn't do my hair today. First on-air photo <laughs> being taken here in the podcast studio. Um, all right. Great. Let's move on. Put Good job, Colin. I'm going to put it right on your notes. There is an alternate reality where it's even more depressing than being an Eagles fan for you. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Uh, that photo represents I like to view that. it as Jets green and Patriots white. Wow. Wow. All right. Now, moving on. The Chargers. Please. Uh, they are trying uh, to establish a foothold, as I said earlier, in this region, Los Angeles, where we uh, live and work, and uh, one of their outreach um, ideas was to, hey, what if for one day, for 12 hours, we pick a, a famed Hollywood, West Hollywood tattoo studio and offer free Chargers tattoos to anyone that wants it? Just come to the Shamrock Social Club and, and get a tattoo. And uh, and now it's time. Uh, Colleen, you were there. I was there. You were there on hand. And the reason yep. you were you were being a total Miko Grimes scenario. I was. Super supportive <laughs> of, of your man uh, because I have him on the line right now. His name is John Gonzalez. Uh, he is a contributor to The Ringer and also uh, the husband man of, uh, of Colleen Wolf. That's I feel like that's a pretty good description of who you are, John. It's not bad. For those who don't know, I'm an American sports writer, and I live in Los Angeles <laughs> with my wife and our two dogs. It's all there. It's all there if you ever need to know about Gonzo. So, Gonzo, you and Colleen both went to the tattoo shop, uh, and, and the, a great piece on The Ringer that you should all check out. Uh, Gonzo, I'm sure that you tweeted it out. You could follow Gonzo uh, underscore John Gons. Uh, tell us your takeaways from your trip there. How long were you there, by the way? Uh, I was there for a few hours. It was sort of multi-purpose. One, to get a story, but also Colleen was getting her nails done, so I had a yeah. way to pick her up. That's true. I left the I left the tattoo place and was like, what can I do around here? And there's a place that gives free alcohol away, uh, and you can get a manicure at the same this time. This is right up on Sunset Boulevard, if I'm not correct. Is everything on Sunset free now? Like, what's <laughs> going on like in this mystical <laughs> Southland Boulevard? Uh, so that's smart. Very efficient use of your time, yep. Gonzo, in another way. Uh, to earn a buck, you just while while waiting, you just knock out a, a column. Nice work. I knocked knocked out the story, and then uh, then Colleen took the money for her nails. It worked out for everybody. <laughs> That's great. So basically, you it did seem that you came across some interesting characters here, and I, one that stuck out was, and I think it was the first um, fan that you you put in your article was the guy that was such a big Chargers fan down in San Diego that he cried by himself in his car when the news was official that they were leaving San Diego. And yet he got up at like 5 a.m. yesterday to take the ride up uh, up Route 5, Interstate 5, with his uh, wife and babies and everything to get this <laughs> tattoo for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, how, do, how do you make sense of that, Gonzo? I don't. Uh, I, didn't say, I wasn't sure anybody was going to show up. Uh, because, you know, you guys obviously saw the Chargers preseason opener in Carson, California. They play in a soccer stadium and couldn't fill it. So I was wondering if anybody was going to show to get permanently branded with Chargers tattoos, which seemed kind of crazy. But, yeah, this guy who was devastated when they moved uh, decided that he was going to get up and not only drive to L.A. from San Diego yesterday morning, but he packed his wife and two kids in the car, and one of the kids is two weeks old. Wow. That's outrageous. Wow. wow, you almost you shouldn't even be out in the atmosphere when you're that young. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, uh, not hermetically sealed or anything. And, and you know what? An angel was quiet as could be. No, oh, that's sweet. Um, well, how about how many people 
did you see there or get tattoos during your time waiting for Colleen's nails to be complete? Also, the tattoos themselves. Yeah. Yeah, Tell the tattoos themselves were interesting. Um, there were three options. But I, I would say when we got there, when Colleen and I got there, I counted 12 people, 14 if you count the two kids. They didn't get tattoos. <laughs> uh, and then, although, you know, who knows? Uh, Speaking and of left, orphanage, there, were, there would definitely be uh, some social service that's true. taking away that two-week-old. Two Agreed. Yeah, go ahead, Gonzo. That all the way around. I, I think, like, just having a Chargers tattoo as, as a dad might get you in trouble <laughs> with child services. But uh, then there was probably, like, 20 more people in line when I left, and the PR people told me afterwards that they had – Somewhere in the neighborhood, because they were open from 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. yesterday. So they claim that there were about 100 people in total that showed, but, you know, I didn't see that. I saw about 20. Well, one question for you. I don't know if you were able to mine your way into the shop itself. By the way, I believe I have one tattoo, and it was it, it was something I acquired <laughs> on, on West Hollywood, right where I believe this place is, unless this is a newer uh, version. But so you got you mined your way into this shop. Were you able to see where on people's bodies, uh, be it uh, male or female, are people deciding to get Chargers tattoos? Where was the hot spot on the body or maybe an unusual <laughs> placement if you saw one? So this is, this is interesting. Uh, the first guy that I mentioned, Anthony, who brought his two kids and his wife, he, he got it on his forearm. And he, the tattoo, you had three options. You had the Chargers lightning bolt. You had the word Chargers. And then you had this weird mock-up. This is my favorite one, this third one. It was a, it's a shield, like a coat of arms, and on it it said L.A. Chargers, and then it had, like, the lightning bolt in blue and gold, and then this is the part that threw me, and I had to ask about it. God's it all fired up. To, it looked to me to be some sort of horse, but they insisted it was a stallion. Um, behind the glass, I'm being told, Gonzo, that that is actually the original Los Angeles Chargers logo. Well, it's terrible, and a lot of people picked it. <laughs> a lot of people picked it. <laughs> a lot of people picked it, including one of the guys I talked to uh, to answer your question, Seth. He goes, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. I've been a fan a long time. I said, how long? He goes, oh, about 10 years. I guess that does qualify as a long time for Chargers fans. And he said he had never gotten a tattoo before. Oh, wow. He decided his, his first one wow. was going to be the Shield coat of arms deal. And I said, why would you do that? And he said, it's free. <laughs> and he got it on his calf. Oh, oh the calf tattoo. Wow. Well, yeah. you know what? Never underestimate the power of free stuff. I've seen that all through my life. <laughs> and I, even if it's permanent uh, body modification, free if it's works. free, a lot of people get it. Gonzo. Wait, 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 yes. wait. Before he goes, one of my favorite parts about this story, John, tell him what Johnny Hecker was offering, the punter. Oh, yeah, even the Rams punter is scoring on these guys. Uh, that's how you know that you're in trouble when you come to town. The Rams punter was making fun of them and saying that he would pay for the tattoo removal. So if you got one yesterday, hit him up. The punter coming after you in a big spot. Um, Gonzo, check him out. Like I said, at underscore John Gons. He Check out his work at The Ringer. Uh, you could check him out, you know, losing to me in Cornhole when the stakes go a little bit higher. All these things are uh, in play. Got to hang out soon, man. Yo, before I go, real quick, big day for our boy Wes. So, shouts to Wes and the Paramore. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Right. All right, John Gonzalez. There he goes. All right. Later, guys. All right. Bye, John. And in case, yeah, in case you were not aware of 
who John Gonzalez is. He, you know. He's John Ronald Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American sports writer who is married to NFL media broadcaster Colleen Wolf. John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. All right. Training camp spotlight time presented by New Era. Um, and we are going to break down the preseason schedule for NFL Network coming up. Uh, the Bills at Eagles, Ravens at Dolphins, Bucks at Jaguars. Let's uh, talk about two of these games. We'll start with the Ravens and Dolphins. And uh, and Mark, kind of maybe for one each game, one thing you're looking forward to, uh, we'll start there. I mean, the summer has been long. The offseason has been long. But now we are here witnessing a showdown between Jay Cutler and Ryan Mallett uh, in the most awkward of circumstances. Uh, I believe that's football at its height in the preseason, uh, you know, in the realm of the preseason. What I want to see are two quick things. <laughs> Jay Cutler, I, I'm not, I, I know, oh, he's in shape, he's been working out, but I want to see, you're, suddenly, you, oh, two weeks ago, you're probably sitting at home with your little microphone pretending to broadcast games and Ouch. see how you do that. Well, that's how you do it. Wow. That's, that's how you do it in the craft. That's how you get it Is done. Is that what you do? Yeah, but then now, no, not anymore. And you know, back at age twelve. But now you, now suddenly you're thrust on the field. And do you have any chemistry with Devontae Parker? Do you have any chemistry with the with the entire offense that you've known for like roughly eighty hours? Yeah. And, and and if you're Baltimore, Ryan Mallett, if you melt down, do they finally say we have got to do something about this position? Another terrible game, and they've got issues. We don't know when Flacco is going to truly be healthy. It's a great point. I won't take much from the Jay Cutler outing if he's rusty. That makes sense. If he performs well, it makes sense. He's been around forever. He knows he's been in this offense. How long would you play him for? How uh, uh, knowing like two series, maybe two. You got to get him some work. I yeah, I would play him first quarter. I'd play him. That's yeah. what I would do. But I, you know, I'm not that coach. Nobody, nobody <laughs> feels like a soft <laughs> tissue injury, injury waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, the the Ryan Mallett situation is something to track. And uh, you know, now they got Thad Lewis in there, but I'm sure there's still not a lot of good feelings about the situation. It all depends what's really going on behind the scenes with Joe Flacco. Yeah, and with Ryan Mallett, part of the excuses that people were throwing out for the way that he played was that he was playing with the majority of the second-team offense. So this week we'll see him with the first-team offense, and he had been playing yeah, against, now he's gonna the, yeah, against the first-team defense. defense. Yeah, it's like, right. <laughs> That's so a, no excuses. Those are the things that creep into this time of the year when coaches try to make excuses or, <laughs> right. or, or players. It's like, well, you know, no, I'm not getting those reps with the, that first team. So I'll go, yeah, when the first team defense is bearing down on you, you now you're going to get the hot reads right? Let's calm down. Uh, all right, Bills-Eagles is another game, and, and Connie Fox, Ooh. you are, of course, before you moved to Jets fandom earlier in this podcast, sure. you did grow up following the Eagles. Uh, what is? Let's start with the Eagles. What are you looking forward to uh, checking out in this game? All right, well, I'm obviously a huge fan of Ronald Darby. I've talked about him on the show before, so I want to see if Tyrod Taylor is going to come out and target Ronald Darby and how much in this game. I know that we're not going to be able to see J-Matt, Jordan Matthews uh, because J Matt yeah I think that's his Twitter even Um, (laughs) because he's got the chip sternum so we won't be able to see him but it's it's interesting because we get to see these two teams that were involved in the trade it's a Sean McDermott revenge game of the preseason maybe (laughs) you know the only game that really counts in terms of Settling scores is the Snoopy Bowl in the Meadowlands. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> That's when the chips are. That's truly right. Down. This one's pretty good, though. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah. That. This is a. You know, the Bills. Bills fans. They're trying to get excited about this season. This is. Is this the first game since the big trade? It is, and in yeah. fact, their GM is al- their new GM is already annoyed that it doesn't just sit around in Florham Park where this accusation is being thrown. That people say the Bills are trying to 
throw the season down the tubes, and he said, no, I'm not. Copycats. You can't do what the Jets are already yeah. trying to do according to some. Never follow the Jets as a pathway for success. I would also counter with just, you know, a couple things. Jets, like we're throwing the season, advice. that means eight sacks, the most we've had since 1983 in any game. That's yeah. how you throw the NFL season. You're going to uh, see a lot of Zay Jones and Anquan Bolden, too. Jonathan Williams? Yeah. Is he okay? Is that Hammy okay? Well, that's, that's a fair question. They said he was fine. I wonder if maybe they keep but him out of this. But 30 again, carries a, in this game? Yeah. 35, 30 to 35 carries. Still work hard. That was Training Camp Spotlight presented <laughs> by New Era. Speaking of New Era, New Era's NFL training collection has a great combination of innovative performance and style. With Ooh, features like fancy. UV protection. <laughs> trying to do a read here. <laughs> Moisture wicking and cooling technology. There's no reason you shouldn't make... The New Era NFL Training Collection, a part of your daily attire. That's every day, Mark. NFL clothes every day for you. Available at retailers like Lids, NFLShop.com, and Dick's Sporting Goods in your favorite team. By the way, Tam Posey, I noticed more hats this week, and they've taken the Browns hat away. Very audacious move by Tam Posey. That's another power play. Another power. I like it. I didn't set up the hats today. Uh, I like that. Shrug it off on an underling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well done. I wasn't even in here. It so. does. I do sense a level of cunning that Erica possesses yes. that will serve her quite well. I can appreciate that. In this position mm-hmm. behind the glass. All right, folks. It's time to talk about a little bit of hard knocks. Oh! Yes. Episode two aired on uh, Tuesday night on Home Box Office. And uh, another another uh, interesting uh, peek behind the curtain of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I thought not a surprise that Robbie Aguayo would be uh, a focal point of this episode. How could it not be? And um, it, it got me thinking. I have been doing these, writing these episode recaps for this website for six years now. And I was trying to think the last time Hard Knocks and real news, like actual NFL news collided Ooh. and Hard Knocks had boots on the ground. And you have to go back, I think, to the Miami Dolphins in 2012 when Chad Johnson was arrested yeah. for his domestic violence uh, incident and him walking into Joe Feldman's office. And in one of the indelible hard knocks moments for me in terms of uh, just remembering that season and one of the seasons of all the seasons is Johnson looking around and knowing that the stationary camera was in there somewhere. And he makes eye contact with it and just like hangs his head oh. and knows not only is his football career about to end, uh, he's about to become the subject of a, um, a documentary series about it. So anyway, that's what it reminded me of was Robbie Aguayo, the way they built up through the episode, uh, some of the challenges and practices. Chris Baker just I mean, this is oh. this is football. This is this is what this sport is, especially during training camp. I know, Mark, we're. I think Colleen, you read it as well. Collision low crossers. Yeah. That gave a great peek behind the curtain of how brutal these team teammates can be to each other during training camp before they're all on kind of like the same page. Once the season starts, Chris Baker barking in both Aguayo and folks ear from feet away. You're going to miss this. You're going to blow it. You can't take the pressure. And then on that particular day, both kickers struggled. And what jumped out to me was, Folk can take it. Folk has been playing been a dozen doing years. Yeah. He's heard that and worse, both in games that mattered and summer camps. Uh, training camp. It's not like summer camp. Summer camp. It is on some Ooh. level. They bunk up. Um, <laughs> uh, but Aguayo, it was all, I feel it was another symptom of his struggles, the pressure, and he couldn't handle it. 
and they cut to those confessionals, those one-on-ones, and he looked like he was a 15-year-old kid. Oh, my God. It just, it just seemed like the moment was too big for him at this stage in his life and career, and it ended with him missing the two kicks. And then this scene when after Dirk Cutter and Jason Light um, – there have been hard knocks episodes where they you see the coach and GM agonize over a roster decision. They're in lockstep. They knew. They knew what they had to do, and then they have to bring in Roberto and give him the bad news. Well, it's never easy. I'll just get right to it. We're we're gonna we're gonna release you. But I do want to tell you that we appreciate everything you've done for us. All right? Thank you. And, uh, you know, it's just, we just got to rely on you to make those kicks. Mm-hmm. Tough. It went on and on yes. and on, though. Like, that was the longest breakup scene <laughs> ever. And at one point, uh, I think it was Jason Light who said, this is not about Roberto, the man. Keep your head up. Things will get. Things can only get better from here. Like, has that ever happened that someone's broken up with you and been like, listen, you've hit rock bottom. Right. This well, is, this is it, but it's going to get better. I think if you're Jason Light and, and you know, you're, you're the head coach and you're the whole franchise, you have to understand that in this specific situation – trading up to take him in round two, and this is not a new theory, that you created a lot of this environment that he was put into. And try this, the idea that he'd come back this training camp and be a whole different player and kicker and person especially, I, I think he's got to go through what Nick Folk's gone through and, and heard this season after season and develop some mental toughness. I think I came away totally impressed with Robbie Agallo, the person. I really did because... It, he it, took it. He, you know? he is going to be yeah. fine, I think. I but, felt like he was going to fall apart. Yeah, I well, he's. I think he's a. T- he seems like a tender-hearted guy. That's you what just, I mean. You can't I, really be that, and he's going to learn that. You can't. Yeah, I mean, this, this the sport is not for the weak of heart, and he just. It seemed like the moment was, was bigger than him at this point, and you know, I think this is a, a best-case scenario for him on some level. Obviously, bad news what happened, get it, losing his job, but the fact that he got another job so quickly. Both sides needed a fresh start here. It just was – they needed they needed to reboot it, and now he's just another guy in the league, just like 95% of kickers who are just playing musical chairs, and there's no more pressure on him. He's no longer the second-round pick. He's just another guy in He's Chicago. Manti Teo in New Orleans. The, 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 right. the, the, the A storyline has been buried at this point. It doesn't feel like there's a ton of pressure on Nick Folk either right now. He's out with, in a pedal boat with Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but that was pretty amazing. That's what I love about the show is because it reminds <laughs> yeah. you is we can think, oh, we're so busy and we have kids. Or we, or we have dogs, or we have whatever it is on the side, Colleen. And like, we, <laughs> but you have a lot of other life. The, I, I have lo- a lot I, of dogs. Well, I loved watching that scene of Fitz, Fitzy and Folk like out on this boat, stuck with these little kids, yeah. jumping in pools and stuff. <laughs> it was like they have to go home and do the same stuff that anyone else does. Um, Connie, what are some of your other takeaways from the episode? Well, the Greybeards were mentioned. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I did. Um, I did pick that up. You were talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I also thought it was funny that Ryan Fitzpatrick threw shade at Mark Sanchez for eating hot dogs on the sideline during yeah. the right. game. Well, a, and, and Winston had never heard of that incident. <laughs> it was a weird, like, a little parallel dimension if you're a Jet fan watching because the paddle boats are two Jets from recent teams. And then the Sanchez incident was 2009 uh, Sanchez rookie where he ate the hot dog in Oakland. Uh, so to have Ryan Fitzpatrick bringing that up and said, you got to, you got to, tr- you got to, what was it? You got to respect the game, bro. Right. <laughs> like, respect the game. <laughs> Fitzpatrick's <laughs> very likable. Awesome. I think he's very likable. Oh my likeable. God. I right. love him. Doesn't it just seem like Ryan Fitzpatrick? I was thinking about this yesterday and 
watching him closely two years before this, doesn't it seem he's just kind of like amused by professional football? Like he's I mean, just kind of like he's like he's making he's jokes, smarter than but... everybody, and he and he knows he's not the most talented guy, and he's just. Like when they're doing these speeches, like you gotta to build the right team, you have to put the cement in the gravel. Oh, that and was it's like, the worst. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can just picture him just like smirking the whole time. He's heard every one silly. of these things. Yeah. I do find it odd that he pointed out that the, that this tray of hot dogs was specifically held in another room for doctors. I mean, in the trainers' uh, room, uh, yeah, for well, every team too. But it's like a me. thing. <laughs> Why is it that doctors of all people are eating like what is one of the worst food items around? You're eating hot dogs to the doctors specifically. That's I, on I, your radar. Well, it was like five yeah. in the morning I'm watching that thought, what is wrong with these people? The hot dogs are tasty. I don't care. I'm just saying, you're a doctor. You like it. Oh, the only people allowed to have hot dogs are the doctors. It yeah, just doesn't sit right with me. I know me. there's like the pig's hoof in it. And oh, God. All right. Among That's like stuff. Scrapple. Bring it to me. Bring, give me a little sauerkraut, a little spicy mustard. You're good. And we are flying. Uh, any other thoughts from the um, there's so There's so many more. I know we can't get to them all, but I do. How about last the, thing on Grimes Fitzy. Grimes family, please. I loved whoever said, what was it like playing against Bart Starr? <laughs> yeah. See, I awesome. found that, like, I wrote down, I said, I wrote one category was bad jokes, and that was, there are, that was, in, that was ill humor on, I, I thought. It was I not, like, it was not well was done. funny. I know, and I think I see this show a little, I'm realizing I need to just, let go with the show a little bit. You're a little jaded about people the show, are strangely. people adore this, and I get it. And so I'm I'm loosening up a little bit on Hard Knocks. It's it's just been fantastic up till now. But Miko Grimes, she was great. Yeah. Miko, of course, uh, blood feud with Greg Rosenthal, our very own Greg Rosenthal, right. who's um, on assignment today. Uh, and it did give me pause when I was writing the recap, which you can check out at NFL.com/slash/HardKnocks that. Um, that she probably would read this and maybe go after me. Uh, but I just found it. I found her comment comments funny, uh, talking about how she's at every practice and every game mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, sharing her thoughts about she doesn't care about little seven, five-yard slants, that bull S. I don't give an F about those catches. She just seems great. Well, and, and, and so in the, in the episode, and they focus on Grimes, and it's not that it's well-timed, but it, he has a laceration on his leg that, that somehow, within seconds, on her phone, yeah. she has like a close-up photo of the laceration and is running around showing other players right. and coaches' kids. And like she just sort of I, – I found her much more enjoyable than I thought I would have, having never really watched or listened to her. So with Team Miko, is that what we're I liked her a lot. In she's fact, you know, very supportive. She stays at the team hotel. She books her flights so they land oh yeah, at the same supportive. time. She's engaged. Does she's it, engaged. Does it remind anyone of uh, Jackie and Doug Christie from Once Upon a Time in the NBA? Does that ring any bells? Ah. Yeah. I mean, it Maybe. reminds me of past relationships that I had, like, way back in the day. I will land when you land. You had that situation? <laughs> These things are oh, out God. there. I, it's not airplanes, but. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yes. Again, check it out, NFL.com slash Hard Knocks. Uh, and another episode next week, we'll talk about it. All right, moving on. How did we get out of there without talking oh, Ed Hockley? We also, no, yeah. Gerald McCoy. The He's guns. so charming. A lot of okay. good stuff. All right. Also, we forgot to say spoiler alert to the UK, UK audience who don't get to see this show until Thursday. So here's a b- belated spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't know if that's Whatever. how they, oh, great. I mean, I don't know if that's how they I work. I don't think that I works. Yeah, yeah, that's you went a little bit off script with right. the Well, it wasn't, but it's in there, so that's all that matters. You know we love you over the other side of the pond. That was not on purpose. Or watch it by now. How about that? There's yeah. so much so many more things we didn't get to. Let's um let's close by uh today's show by talking about you know, trades that make sense. Sometimes you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get, oh, let's be fancy with the title to really hook in the listener uh, or the viewer. No, trades that make sense. I think it's simple. 
this was an article that I was assigned to write, and, it, and maybe what I, what I came up with was not uh, like hot takey enough, because yeah. even on NFL.com, it just said, seven logical trades. <laughs> like, all right, you want me to ship. I understand you yeah. want Peyton Manning to come back and take over like a Patriots team that shipped Tom Brady to the Bucks because Jameis Witten got lost at sea. I mean, I don't, I don't come up with this. I get it. I get it, buddy. And by the way, I see also – Wilk, for the, the title, is it title bar? What's the technology? What's the term behind the scenes? Topic bar, uh, potential trades that make I sense. mean, to the point where this doesn't even exist. Let's not even act like any of this That's is even f- vaguely it down real. A little bit. This is going to be a great segment. Who's yeah. excited for it? All right, it? get All right. us going, Mark, with a little. I know you want to talk your, uh, your brownies, so uh, let it rip. Well, I will. There were, there were a couple. I think that's a team that's still actively thinking we could trade certain veterans. And you look at Joe Hayden's salary. And if they could ever find a way for a team to absorb that salary, you move Joe Hayden potentially. I still think he's, he's one of their locker room you know, favorites. He's been a loyal guy through some really tough years. But how about the Dallas Cowboys? It's an obvious uh, that defense needs help up and down. And Hayden, I think, has got another couple seasons where you plug him into that Dallas defense, and in return you get another draft pick. But that division, you look at the wide receivers that Dallas is going to need to face this season in the NFC East, much less beyond, and it would be great to pick up a veteran cornerback that if, if Hayden is healthy, he would immediately help you and have a chance himself to go on to some playoff games, which is a rare thing in Cleveland. I know we're not capologists, but Joe Hayden probably makes a fair amount of uh, guap. Well, that's they would need to move some things around. Like, And th- he's, his contract is like unwieldy. Like move Des Bryant well, off the team or something like that? No, not, I mean, it would, you need to move someone. <laughs> Honestly, I looked at him as a potential cut in Cleveland because of his cost and what his contract is, but also just his health situation. So maybe you can get someone to take him. And imagine him with Rod Marinelli. I mean, he would be probably even better than what he is now, just working in that system with him. Is Joe Hayden still Joe Hayden, by the way? No, I don't think he is. And I think that's why you potentially trade him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, Colleen, uh, what do you got? Okay, I got Michael Kendricks, Eagles linebacker. He requested a trade. He asked the team to either trade him or release him uh, this offseason. That obviously did not happen. He's kind of struggled to find a spot in Jim Schwartz's defense. So he wasn't on the field a lot last year, and that's sort of why his production is the way that it is. It looks from last season. Mm -hmm. He's only 26 years old and you know where you could send him Miami. So here's what happened. You have Raekwon. Yeah, that was (laughs) What sort of accent was that? I I thought you were doing like the Miami thing or Miami. (laughs) I have no idea, but I'm getting excited about this because I started to nerd out about it a little bit. So Raekwon McMillan, he's out for the season now because of the torn ACL. And you have Michael Kendricks, who's played both strong and weak side linebacker in a 4-3. Uh-oh. The Eagles and Dolphins have joint practices next week. Oh, so you wouldn't even need to you know, have a separate sort of uh, cost or ticket. Not even a bus fare or anything. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I like that part of it. And you, then, really bro- you really got the wait, binder. And then, I know I did. I, I went way too far into this rabbit hole. And Michael Kendricks then would be lining up with Kiko Alonso, who they played together in Philadelphia. So it all sort of and makes sense. best friends. Except for the $4.8 million that mm. Kendricks is getting right now. It's funny because the Eagles like shut down his request and said no. And he barely yeah. played last season, which makes me think that he is out there as a trade bait. But they need to get the right offer, and you're waiting for that right player to go down. And Miami, they've lost a guy. Yeah. And, All right. Okay. That was good, though. You did a way a more lot. research. There's, I know, than and the there was like way more that I didn't even get into. More than I, and I wrote the article. So. <laughs> um, 
All right, I'm gonna throw one out there. I I figured this out. I figured this whole thing out with the Browns. Oh yeah, because no one's ever been able to make sense of how Brock went from being the the second team guy to the starter in the first preseason game, and now is he starting this week too? Well, there's there's whispers. There's whispers of it, that it's happening. They don't play till Monday nights. So they're kind of like holding on to that. One word, baby. One word that seems like it might be two, but it's one. Showcase. <laughs> oh my god. They don't they don't want to play Brock Osweiler this season. That makes no sense for a rebuilding team. Behind the scenes, they're completely in love with Deshaun Kaiser now. Cody Kessler is nobody's idea of a franchise quarterback, but they probably respect him as a backup. That all makes sense. So they have another quarterback that could slide in uh, as the number two, and you give Deshaun the week one job, and away you go. So what they're doing here, what the Browns is smart, the new regime, this, this brilliant regime led by the great Sashi, it's just a showcase. They want Brock Sashi. to Ooh. get in there on Monday night, for the love of God, just one touchdown drive. Just take him down the field. Uh, Do something that would make you tradable. Some slant, you know, slant pattern that gets busted for a 48-yard touchdown. Something that makes Brock Osweiler look like, oh, wait a second, now we understand why John Elway was offering $14 million a year, why the Texans were willing to go to $16 million a year, all that. And then what they're going to do, they're going to ship him over to Indy. Because guess what? Scott Talzine ain't getting the job done, baby. Nope. They need a better backup plan. And Brock Osweiler is a guy that can't you just picture Brock Osweiler in a Colts uniform being bad? Can't you just picture him? I kind <laughs> of can. I, here would be my here would be two counter arguments. One, yeah. his incredible salary. Uh, right. need the, to take a look the at that. The Browns can handle that though. They ha- they still have flexibility. They, they could mistaken. they could strike some sort of a deal where they take some of that. The other thing is if you're going to it, maybe if if you really don't believe in Cody Kessler and you do believe in Deshaun Kaiser but you don't want to throw Deshaun Kaiser into the early season part of the schedule, then you put Osweiler in there and let him play himself out of a job. Their first four games, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Colts and the Bengals. That's a rough start for a rookie quarterback. So you're, you're saying there's a world where you think the Browns don't trust Cody Kessler's starting material, but they need to throw somebody to the wolves and they don't want it to be their hot shot rookie. Yes. Yeah. Because that, because I think you can, you can ruin a rookie if he goes out and he goes, Oh, and eight or something like that, that you, that you believe in, in his potential. You don't want to throw him out in week one. And then after, after that four week stretch, you're home against the jets. If you want to, if you want to throw Kaiser in, then I'm just saying that I also think that maybe it's an indication that, the position coach has said over and over, Kaiser has potential. He is not ready to start in the NFL. I, this, they, maybe they believe that too. Okay. Maybe. I mean, it's kind of morphed into Brown's analysis. I, I was more, I wanted to talk about the <laughs> Colts side a little bit more. Well, we get it. Telzine stinks. I love everything about this place. I love being a Brown, and, and I'm just very thankful to be here. Not for long. Though. I think it's, it's yeah. in play, though. You're, it's potential. Okay. Uh, two more quick, kind of a speed round. Okay. Mark, okay. you're up first. How about this? With Joe Mixon looking like an absolute starting running back in Cincinnati, Jeremy Hill actually looked good in that preseason game. Talk about showcasing someone that's not a total mess. Jeremy Hill to the New York Giants because the Giants last year, that running game was an issue, and they're not excited about Paul Perkins. That's the whispers that he's not shining in camp or anything. Nobody's excited about him right you now. you got Shane Vereen. Yeah. you got Orleans Darqua. I think Jeremy Hill is the kind of – that it, NFC East is up for grabs if the Elliott suspension sticks, and even if it doesn't. And so you, 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 you fix up one of your major weaknesses on offense, and you fly. I like that one. What about you, Colleen? What do you got? Okay, how about Philip Dorsett to the 49ers? Former first-round pick. He hasn't lived up to his expectations. Plus, you look at the wide receivers, how they're lining up right now. Chester Rogers has moved ahead of Philip Dorsett on the depth chart to the third wide receiver. Kamar Aiken might not even make the team. Mm. So they have a lot of depth there, and the 49ers obviously could 
could use a compliment to Pierre Garçon, somebody with some speed. And Kyle Shanahan, we know what his track record is with young receivers and talent. And we saw what he did last year in Atlanta with Mo Sanu and Taylor Gabriel and Julio Jones. Obviously, totally different team. Yeah. But I think Kyle Shanahan would be able to make it work. Like that. They yeah, some young pieces. That's straight from your article. Well, with a little bit more uh, some things peppered in. Miami. I didn't rip it right off. <laughs> Can you give us another Miami before we go? I don't even know what I said. Miami? No, you were no, so just you were very excited. Like Miami. Kind of like that. There was a little <laughs> there was some sort of flavor to it, but yeah. I don't know if I can recreate it. Um <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. Good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Yes. Uh shout out to sweet wonderful Chris Wessling as he uh, uh goes through uh surgery today and hopefully uh, on the other side of it is getting back to us sooner rather than later. We don't know a timetable yet, but we hope uh, Wes is, is back in this chair as much as I love having Colleen Thanks. next to me. I can't wait for Wes to be back yeah. in this chair too. That is Wes's chair, and right uh, we need him here as soon as possible. So uh, we'll keep the audience informed uh, as that process goes along. But uh, thanks to everyone. Remember, this is the video show, NFL.com slash ATN video, 930 Eastern, 630 Pacific. Uh, uh, check it out and the archives there as well. So that's it. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm. Connie Fox, Miami. <laughs> that's it, huh? Erica, Tam- Erica Tamposi and Alex Wook behind the glass until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.